The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. You may recall in Luke chapter 10 that we read about Jesus visiting the home of Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary were the sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. In this particular account, Jesus is dining at their home, and we read about Martha, who is busy serving and preparing the meal and doing all the things attendant to keeping the household running. We see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. Martha gets stressed out and frustrated and comes to Jesus and accuses him of not caring. Said, don't you care that my sister's not helping me? and I'm doing all the work. And Jesus gave her a gentle rebuke and taught us the strong principle that work does not necessarily equal worship. I hope you'll join us today and tomorrow for this sermon that I've entitled The Worker and the Worshipper. And I hope through this sermon we'll see some important principles about how the most important thing we do in our lives is spend quiet time with Christ alone, reading his word, communing with him in prayer, and seeking a deeper personal relationship with him. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
I'd ask that you turn over to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter. I want to preach on a topic that is really pretty near and dear to my heart because it, it afflicts me and affects me when I read this account of the worker and the worshiper. The worker and the worshiper. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, Now it came to pass as they went that he, that is Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. As I said, tonight I want to look at these two sisters, the worker and the worshiper. The worker and the worshiper. And I said this afflicts me. It sort of really hits me between the eyes. Because there's a lot of times that I find myself working for the Lord. In his kingdom even. Doing things that aren't bad things. That aren't immoral things. That aren't even neutral things. Doing things serving the Lord. But I'm not worshiping him the way I ought to. You see, there's a difference between work and worship. Now, worship takes some work, yes. And sometimes when we work, we're worshiping. So don't misunderstand me. There's some, inner, there's some overlap there. There's some interaction between the two. But what we find here is a good example of how we ought not to be and how we ought to be when it comes to the worship of the Lord. So let's, let's look at this. I, I don't know why it's been on my mind, but maybe because last Sunday night, uh, you may recall we talked about the parable of the sower. And, and every time I think about the parable of the sower, I, you know, we all have a danger of being in the wayside or in the stony ground, but, uh, but I just find myself so often in the thorny ground. And that's where sweet Martha found herself in this account, I believe. So let's look, at, let's look at the worker, Martha, here, and let's see who she is. We see Martha three times in Scripture, here in Luke chapter 10, and then in John chapter 11 and John chapter 12, three primary times that we see her. Now, one thing we know for sure about Martha is that she had two siblings, at least two siblings, Mary and Lazarus, okay? We see that over in John chapter 11 and chapter 12. Why am I telling you that? Because I think it's important that we, that we understand that these were real people. These were real people and they had real problems. They had real relationships. You know, sometimes we read about these women that were attending to Jesus and we just kind of put them in a category of, I don't know, to me at least, I don't think much about their humanity and about their lives. They actually had lives. They actually had relationships. They had brothers and sisters. But be that as it may, this kind of puts them as to who they are. Now, I'm going I'm to really speculate here. 
I'm going to really speculate. I'm so glad my brother is here, too, because I want him to hear this. I'm going to really speculate here. I speculate, and I'm telling you for the record, this is speculation on my part, but I think it's a pretty good educated guess. I speculate that Martha was the oldest sibling, at least the oldest daughter. And if so, she sure did fill that role. Now, now I say that from experience being the oldest sibling myself, okay? And I'm not going to say that the oldest sibling is the most responsible sibling. I'm not going to claim that the younger siblings are a little bit less responsible and, and sometimes the older siblings feel more responsible for them. But I can tell you that's the way it happened in my life. Not that Tim wasn't responsible, wasn't a responsible person, but I can tell you growing up as his older brother, four years older than him, I've always felt kind of responsible for him, you know? And sometimes embarrassed, but I'm just kidding. I'm not embarrassed by him. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I got a brother I can kid around with and won't come up here and punch me out when I'm, when I'm, because I read about some of our ancestors who were brothers that got in a fist fight out in the parking lot here. And we, yeah, so we don't want that to happen. But I've also observed my daughter, Meredith, who is the oldest of the four siblings. And I've seen in her that same kind of care, that, that feeling of being concerned about those younger siblings and, and just being, trying to be the responsible one, okay? Let's put it that way. Not necessarily that the oldest sibling is the most responsible, but trying to be the, trying to be the responsible one, okay? And uh, so, for instance, uh, when Mason, who was seven years younger than Meredith, was born, she was like a second little mother to him and took care of him. So, uh, now, again, this is speculation somewhat on my part, and I know that's not normally appropriate in the pulpit, so you can discard all of that, but I'm saying all this to try to get us thinking in terms of these two ladies in their humanity. Here, if she was indeed the oldest sibling, she sure did fill that role, didn't she? She was a fixer. I, I could see Martha never relaxing because every time we see her, she's working. Every time we see her, she's doing something and, and being taking responsibility for something. She's working. She's trying to fix things. Back over in John chapter 11, uh, you'll notice that in, in verse 21, when she came to the Lord, she didn't come to the Lord and, and just fall at his feet. She came to the Lord in an accusatory way. She clearly had felt some responsibility about the death of her brother Lazarus. They had sent for him. And they said, down in verse 21, Martha said to the Lord, she said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now that's not someone coming to the Lord to, to praise him and to worship him. That's somebody coming to the Lord like the disciples did when they were in the ship saying, Lord, don't you care that we're dying? That's someone who's burdened. That's someone who's stressed over this situation. That's someone who's burdened down with care over this. And you'll see Mary comes to him a little bit later and, and, and just fell at his feet and said the same thing, but she fell at his feet in a different attitude, clearly because of the way he responded to her. In chapter 12 there, and again, in verse, verse 1, it says again that when Jesus came to, to the the house there in Bethany where Lazarus was. It says they made him a supper in verse 2 and Martha served. See, there's Martha. She's serving again. So what was she doing? 
What was she doing? Going back to our text, what was she doing? Well, we're told in verse 40 that she was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered there literally means drawn around. And, and, and the idea is being drawn away, being distracted, being uh, burdened down with this, this job that she had of serving. And I want you to notice something here. This distraction, this being drawn around, this being cumbered was about a good thing. It's a good thing to serve. Service here is the Greek word diakonia, which is where we get our word deacon, which is a good thing to be a servant. It's a good thing to be a deacon. She was doing something. She saw a need and she filled it. And it's appropriate to do that. Nobody's complaining about what she's doing. You notice it didn't just say she was serving. If it just said she was serving, we couldn't really fuss too much. Some of you ladies, I notice, and I appreciate that so much when we have our fellowship meals. You serve. You get in there and you work. You know, some of you uh, others that aren't, not just you ladies, some of you men uh, serve on those days and work on those days. And, and I know some of you work hard here at this church. Uh, during the time that uh, we were building this building, Brother Glendon and Brother Bob and others pitched in and they worked here at this church. That is a good thing. The problem here was not that Martha was serving. The problem here was that Martha was cumbered about much serving. She was burdened by it. She was drawn away by it. She was distracted by it. You see, any time we substitute activity for hearing and doing God's word, we're going to have problems. And I want to say to you, child of God, not to throw stones at other churches, but the modern day church in America has become distracted, encumbered about much serving. There's some good things that people try to do and introduce into the church. They're not things that are bad in and of themselves. The problem is they just shouldn't be in the church. The church shouldn't be an entertainment facility. I understand the desire to attract people to church. We want to attract people to this church. We want, we want to see people drawn to this church. But you see, the only thing we've got to offer is the good news of the gospel. We don't have anything else. If you're coming to hear, to see me put on a show, you're going to be sadly disappointed in the first place. And in the second place, that's not the reason you should be here. My point is that when we start introducing activities and distractions into the church, we've become cumbered about things that ought not be there in the first place. You see, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we read about the only thing that's needed for the church to be successful. You know, I, I'm thankful the Lord gave us this pattern. I'm thankful He gave us something that we can look to to figure out how that revival can occur in a church. You know, think about our situation here and the experience we've had here at Zion Church, the experience they've had at Bethlehem and other churches you could name that have grown from a small number in, a, in somewhat of a waning situation, and they've grown into something bigger through revival. And it's not because they introduced new things into the church, it's because they went back to the old paths. 
Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. There's some steadfastness that we need in the church. We need to be steadfastly continuing in some things. We don't need to be lackadaisically continuing in them. We don't need to be sort of ho-hum continuing in them. We need to be dedicated to the church. We need to be devoted to these things. We need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There's some truth that we need in the church. In fact, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It needs to be the thing we build upon and it needs to be the thing that we preach and that we share with the world out there. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They didn't continue in small group worship. They didn't continue in Sunday school. They didn't continue in concerts and in plays and in other things that have been introduced into the modern church today. They didn't continue in those things. They continued in the basic things, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. That's the recipe for revival in a church. And that's the recipe for continuance in revival, for continuing steadfastly in growth and just maintaining where we are. But the church today, the modern church out in the religious world is cumbered about with programs and committees and other things that never should be there by well-meaning people who are sincere in what they're doing. Remember that. Anytime we start wanting to get real critical, just remember the people that are doing that are not doing it for any other reason that they think that's what they need to do for it to work. But beloved... We need to get back to what the scriptures say. Because Martha thought she was doing what she needed to be doing. And she was cumbered about it. So what did Jesus tell her? Look at verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know what he's telling her here? Verse 41, Martha, stop being cumbered with things that distract you from the true worship of me. Stop being cumbered with this. Again, I've said this already. It reminds me of the thorny ground. You know, I, I think I shared this with y'all last Sunday night, but um, one of the biggest problems I have right now is that when I go up to my room on Monday morning to um, start editing the sermons to get them ready to put them up on the podcast and is that I neglect my personal Bible study or I say I say this to myself I say okay well I'm gonna you know I don't have but a limited time and I've really got to get this done because it's a good thing you know it's a good thing we're doing I'm, we've been very blessed I've talked to a man earlier this week this past week who I didn't realize was actually getting subscribed to our podcast and listens to them every day He'll, and, 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 you know, he'll tell me something, boy, brother, buddy, boy, he got that just right, didn't he? And, boy, I like what you said or someone else said. So he's getting a benefit out of it, and it's a good thing for me to do that. But the first thing I do is I say, well, I'm just going to kind of combine this work. So I put brother buddy's sermon on, and I start listening for coughs and for uh, uhs and ahs, and, you know, when he clears his throat, and, of course, I do the same things, but, uh, but I'll, be, I'll be going through there and I'll be trying to edit those out, you know, and all that. And, uh, 
And I said, well, I'm going to read my Bible while I do this. So I've got Brother Buddy's voice in the background. He's talking about the revelation. He's doing this. But I'm reading my Bible, and I'm barely getting anything out of Scripture. I'm not sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm listening to Buddy Abernathy, <laughs> which is a good thing. I'm enjoying the sermon again, but this is my point. It's not wrong for me to do that. But when I decide to do that to the neglect of my own personal time with the Lord, there's a problem. And usually the reason I do it is because I'm too busy. I'm too burdened down. I got too much to do, and I just don't have time for Jesus. I got time for Brother Tim's sermon. I got time for Brother Buddy's and my sermon to listen to it again and edit it. And, but I don't have time for my personal time with Jesus. You see, at the woman, when, he, when he encountered the woman at the well, Jesus said this. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And here's the point. We always emphasize the fact that that we have to have the spirit first and we have to have the truth as well to properly worship him. But notice what he said. He said, we must worship him. We must worship him. He, he's not saying study about him and, and, and think about him and maybe hit it a lick in a promise over here and, and maybe whisper a prayer right quick over there. He's saying the Lord is looking for his children to worship him to worship Him, to spend time with Him, to think on His majesty, to think on His glory, and to listen to what He's saying to us. You know, if you're, Martha was too careful. He said, Martha, he said, you're careful. You're burdened down with care and you're troubled. You're too careful. You're too troubled. You need to Put that aside. See, she had received Jesus into her home and then she had neglected to spend time with him as she prepared an elaborate meal that the Lord didn't even need. You know what he told him, the Israelites over in Psalm chapter 50? He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. She was working to fix this meal. Oh, the Lord's got to have the right meal. He's got to have the best. He's, well, I get the sentiment. Praise God. You know, Abraham sent and got the best bullock and he slew it and all. But listen, what the Lord, did the Lord need that meal? <laughs> no. I mean, he could have, you know, he was tempted over there in the wilderness to turn the rocks into bread, turn the stones into bread. And see, he really could have done that. Don't miss that point. He really could have done that. That's, that's why it wouldn't have been a temptation if he couldn't have done that. You know, He really could have done that. He didn't need this meal. He didn't need the meal. She was, she was working to prepare a meal that Jesus didn't even need. Her activity was not worship. Her work was not worship. Verse 42, he says, One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. One thing is needful. And I believe the point he's making here is this, child of God. <clears throat> what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Spending time with him is far more essential than going out and working for him. You see, the time of devotion with Him. We're going to see that in a minute. There are things that we'll never lose. 
Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Him, without taking time to spend. And it affected her attitude. Notice, I mean, look at her attitude here. She went to Him in, chapter, in verse 40. She said, Lord, don't you care? <laughs> I mean, that's a silly question, isn't it? He's loved us with an everlasting love. He loved us before the foundation of love. In love, He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And how dare we question whether He cares for us? But how many times do we do that very thing? Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.